What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. I'm J.J. Cooper, joined by John Manuel. And celebrate. This isn't the Top 100 podcast, but Not we're yet. close. Not yet. This is the Top 100 podcast preview. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. We're going to talk how... top 100 prospects, but we're not going to give a, the top 100 does not come out until Tuesday, February 21st. So we're not going to talk about the actual players where they are on the top 100, but we're going to talk about kind of how we put together the top 100, what all goes into it. And also we're going to look back at the 2007 top 100. It's been five years. We can kind of make some judgments on that. Where did we go right? Where did we go wrong? So we're going to talk about that today. So, Hopefully you'll uh, enjoy the, the next, uh, let's be honest here, 45 minutes <laughs> or so. And we do. before we jump in, though, we do want to remind you that we're <laughs> it's book season. Spring training is just starting, but it's also book season. If you've got a fantasy league, if you're in an app, a strat, a pursue the pennant, whatever fantasy baseball game you play, you need the prospect handbook. If you just like prospects, you need the prospect handbook. We've also got the directory coming out, which will have all the schedules, all the names, all the numbers that you want. And we have the Super Register, which is still, there's nothing like it. It's the book that has every the career stats for everyone in the minors, but not just stats, also all their transactions. You can find out how they got there, why they're there for, for everyone who's in, in a affiliated baseball right now. So if you want any of those, just go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store. We'll set you right up. And, again, just the reminder, Prospect Handbook season right now. If you aren't reading the Prospect Handbook and you're in a fantasy league, I promise you someone in your league is. Yeah, there's lots of other – there's lots of fantasy There's lots of fantasy information out there. And there's lots of prospect information out there. But let's face it, nobody really starts do, ranking prospects until they read us. But more, more than that even, it's 30 prospects – Per team, the depth with, of with, with scouting reports. The depth of information is. I mean, if there are lots of competitors and a lot of people who work hard at it and do a good job at it. But I'm very confident the prospect handbook is the best book of its kind. I don't think it's close, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm very proud of the book, and, and we are as well. And we're proud of the top 100 we do every year. Uh, JJ, we've been doing top 100s of Baseball America since you and I were in high school. The first one had Steve Avery as the number one. He was the first number one prospect. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty proud of that even. I mean, Steve Avery went on to be as good of a pitcher as there was in baseball in the early 80s. The nice. early 90s, thank you. I'm not that old. But when the Atlanta Braves needed a win in the early 1990s, uh, Steve the, Avery was the one who went out and got it. Sometimes, because Smoltz it, They had others. But yeah. Steve, well, I mean, Smoltz did. Smoltz was good. Yeah. Avery was better in the postseason back then. He was, a, was he not the LCS MVP in back-to-back yeah, years? Yeah, he was just money in the postseason. This was before he had a division series. And uh, Steve Avery was uh, basically a, a left-handed power arm. Uh, you know, the next time we tried a high school left-handed power arm, number one, it didn't work out with Brian Taylor. Uh, really, Brian Taylor, one of the, you, you look in the history of prospects, he's one of the biggest busts. I think if you're looking at the history of all he time of prospects, he is it's probably him. I, mean, he was, I don't remember him ever being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So Clint Hurdle, I think, is up there. But, but Brian Taylor had more he is, hype. He is our, if you look at the Baseball America, the, the in history the of the top yeah. hundred, he is the biggest number one bust, and it's not close. Yeah, the worst, I would say the worst ranking we've ever had 
even though Ruben Rivera was pretty bad, is it, to me it's either Brian Taylor, Ruben Rivera, or Andujar Cedeno, who was number two on a list one year. And as Ben Battler chronicled in an article last year, we would never do Andujar Cedeno number two now because his strikeout to walk was brutal. His error total grew. Basically, we just went gaga in 1991 or 92 for a shortstop with power. And it wasn't even no, – I, I, we really didn't consider anything right, else. We're, we're, the best way to put it is this. We do feel like that – We weren't the, there the, for the meeting, but that's, but that's what it We do feel like, like that the process has – you know, it gets better and better. And that's where I'm going is that that's when we started. And, uh, you and know, learned, I, yeah, and I think the pro- – and obviously the, pro- the product and the process were good enough – that the oh, yeah. list gained traction and Baseball America gained, gained traction. Because, again, in 1990, 1995, three of the top four are Hall of Famers. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good list. So I, I think that the pro, what we want to try to talk about a little bit in today's show, or not just the Hall process. Famers, right, good point. Not, not just the process, but just kind of how it's evolved. And even, uh, and J.J., I think it's important to kind of have you involved in this because even in 2007, I don't know how involved – you oh yeah, no, I was pro- still I was still a little bit I, I was is I was a little bit involved, but not nearly the level of now. Uh, right, and I, I you know, it, it's a long internship process. I was about here to, to say me. I don't think I got to do my first top 100 prospect list until like 2004. I'd worked here for eight years. That's about my that's about my timetable. So, I, I joined in 2002. I think the 2010 was my first top you, 100. You gotta earn you gotta earn the right <laughs> to contribute to the top 100. And the thing is, everyone does contribute because everyone does reports on these players and everyone contributes to the vault of information that we have and then uh, the best part of it is is you know everyone has a different way of interpreting that information you know d- take Dellen Batances is a good player uh, he's a risky player uh, i like him i like him better than most mm-hmm. probably because i do the yankees list but i do think that he's i always go back to like bobby witt bobby witt was a starting pitcher who really didn't have the command to be a starter but he had filthy stuff and so every year, basically, Bobby Witt would have an ERA above the league average, but he kept on going out there because the stuff was so tantalizing. And then even though he walked a ton of guys, he also struck out a lot of guys and had these flashes but of brilliance. You're, 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 I'm uh, it's a good comp, but I'll say this. I'm undercutting you're making my, me go like Badal and Batances less. Because but, you know what, but Bobby Witt was a big league starter for like seven, no, no, ten years, saying. and a couple of those years were above average. Right. So, but, and, and then A.J. Burnett's another example of the same genre. And, and I think, think A.J. Burnett, though, is, he's better. is better than Bobby Witt. He's better than Bobby Witt. Not by a ton, but he's better than Bobby Witt. And I, I think that Dylan Batances is that has, I think that's his, has, to me, his floor is Bobby Witt, you know, if he's a starter. I think I he'll be say, that. I think his, I think, well, but I, I think so much of that depends on what organization he's in. You know, and the New York Yankees look at him as a starter because he has that flashes of two to three-plus pitches. And he's got a changeup. It was much better in 2010 than it was in 2011. But he has had a changeup that's been a plus pitch for him, not just an okay pitch, not just a show-me changeup. So, again, he's a very volatile player. This, My level of confidence in him is not as high this year as it was last year. But, but, this, this, but Jim just dismisses him as a reliever. I understand that. But, I mean, like, we have a very – so everyone on the staff has wide, has players and, where they have wide disparities And the of thing opinion. that jumps out is, is that this is – I mean, there's all these jokes about, you know, you know this is formed by committee and all. Our top 100 is formed by committee, and that's, t- to me, one of the strengths of our top 100 right. is there. every single one of us who's involved in that meeting has players who we are higher on than everyone else. I right. am the Mike Montgomery guy. Right. I, I, I mean, there are guys that you're going to root for. 
I'm going to root for Mike Montgomery because if Mike Montgomery turns out, I was right. If he falls on his face, I was wrong. He's not your Nick Blackburton, but he's close. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. I mean, I, it's something where, but when we go into the top 100, not, Mike Montgomery's not going to rank as high as maybe I would rank Mike Montgomery because everyone else is maybe a little more skeptical on him. Dylan Matonsis is not going to rank as high as you would put Dylan right. Matonsis because others are more skeptical of him. Like, I'll always remember a couple of years ago when he was in short season ball, Aurora's Vizcaino was on no one's top 150 except for Ben Badler's. Ben Badler had him pretty high. Now, Vizcaino's there now. I don't think he deserved to be there when he was coming out of short season ball because of his arm issues, and we've seen that. And I think the fact that he's even in the top 100 now, despite the fact that he's going to be a reliever more than likely, I think it does tell you just how special his stuff is. I would never, for me, rank a guy who's in short season ball and who I think is going to be a future reliever in the top 100 prospects. But we would have really been ahead of the game if we had ranked Orodis Vizcaino at that time. We'd probably also have prospect fatigue. So there's different ways to look but at these things. The best but, way, the best he way was, to put it is, is our, ours is, I, I think, because He didn't just have the, him in. He had him really high. Right. And I'm going back to your point of that one person being really high on a player doesn't skew the uh, top 150 because the consensus approach, I think, really leads to there's balancing enough. that out. Because basically, to describe a little bit kind of the detail of how we do it, we have multiple, multiple people sit down and do a top 150. So we all submit our top 150s. Jim Callis takes that top 150. I think there was seven 150s this year. I think that's correct. So takes those seven top 150s, puts them in a spreadsheet, and then averages them out. So then we get kind of the output, which is essentially our it's not our top 210, but roughly something like that. Close to that. Of here's 210 guys ranked by points. So, like, if you were one number one, you get 150 points. Right. You know, and you average Thank that out. Thank goodness for and spreadsheets. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you average that out. So, if a guy, you know, if one guy is one on six of the seven, he would essentially at, just under having the maximum 150 points. Right. So, you do it that way, and you do it all the way down. Well, then we all get together, sit down, and go through a meeting. And what we do is is we essentially accept that that's the general order. But then we go, okay, wait a second. Now let's look at guys. Let's address say, some inconsistencies. If everybody took, uh, you know, for example, the Royals. You mentioned, like, Mike Montgomery. You were higher on Mike Montgomery. Well, if other Royals, had, if Bubba Starling, for example, was ahead of Montgomery, we'll talk about that. So there's a lot of those that, that, that come out a lot, but a few of those that or, come up oh, and also we'll, draft rankings, that we'll, kind of we'll stuff. Look at, we'll look at a guy and say, now, wait a second. So this guy was a 2011 draftee, as was these other guys. Right. None of them have, uh, you know, we won't get into too much deep, but I'll say it, like Taylor Youngman, they came up with a discussion of that. Taylor Youngman and Corey Spangenberg were the two guys that jumped because to my we, mind. Basically, we brought, we, we brought up, it's like, okay, like with Corey Spangenberg, we don't want to go too crazy because, yes, he got to play last year and he had a good season. Yeah, I think he had an outstanding That's debut. He did, he, he did. He basically did the things that he was he was as advertised. Right. So that definitely gives him a bump. But then you want to, when you get in that meeting, you want to sit down and say, okay, wait a second. But we don't want to go too crazy on this right. because just because he got to play and almost every other one of these draftees didn't. Right. He ranked 33rd, I think, in our draft top 200. He'd so do you really that think that much? He would. He would. But Taylor Youngman ranked eighth. Now, there shouldn't have been a 25-player gap probably between those two guys. You do have college pitcher versus Juco infielder who's, where it's not 100% sure he'll stay at second, might be a center fielder. 
So, but but at the same time, those players are a lot closer together than that. There, there's, that's a great example. Like Youngman was a Youngman does not rank eighth, I don't think, among college pitchers. You know, among all of our players from the 2011 draft class, he didn't. But when we ranked him, it was middle of May. He hadn't lost. He lost his last three starts. If memory serves, for the Texas mm-hmm. Longhorns. Then he didn't sign till August. He didn't pitch as a professional. I don't believe yet he hasn't made his pro debut. No. If he did, it wasn't significant. We don't have reports like, say, we do of Archie Bradley, Work. who was insane in instructional league. I know it's instructional league, but the reports on his stuff were uh, otherworldly. I, right. I, I have a hard time. The, the reports on Archie Bradley were one of those things where a team drafts a guy really liking him, they bring him in, and then less than like essentially yeah. less than four months after they draft him, like. We got better guys than we thought. Exactly, we and that's 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 really how it sounds for Archie Bradley. The reports on him are so so strong. And he was tough to rank at the top 100. To be honest, but he was really tough to rank. But yeah, you don't so, want it because the thing about it is, is one of the things that we try to do with this is, is that no one piece of information. We don't want to go crazy over one thing in any direction. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be too reactionary. Right. You don't want to. You don't want. We, so one of the things with that is is. You don't want the rankings to change that much from what our draft rankings were for guys for 2011 draftees because we don't, in the majority of cases, have that much more information. Correct. There's there's some there's a little bit of information. There's more how information. Mu- how much credit do you really want to give Sonny Gray's 30 pro innings and the fact that he got the double A for a couple of starts? Was like three, four right. starts? Do you want? I mean, that's good. And do I, you want to basically worry about Trevor Bauer, who also made a double A right. and then had a bad couple of outings? Exactly. That's, I mean, it's it's a bad outing. It's the definition of a small sample size. It matters some. Again, it matters that Spangenberg came out and was what we what we thought he was. We can crown him because and, he was who we thought and, he and was. And by the way, one of the things I'm looking forward to, and I think if you love minor league baseball, oh, yeah. you have to look forward to this. This is done. We don't have to deal with this the stupidity. It is of thank what goodness. the stupidity of what MLB's done with this. Where no, no, no. If you're going to get money, you can't play your first year. Hallelujah. I believe now, it, I believe July now, 13th is the deadline now. Now, let, now let's be honest. A lot of these pitchers, they're not going to get a whole lot. Yeah, of a month off. A lot of these guys are going to take that time off. But I do think a month off, then you maybe take three or four weeks to ramp back up if you, and if you want and you're to. Limit their and innings. then you're measured in August. You take you limit exactly. But, I, I like that idea. And in position players, those guys are going to go out, and we're going to get to see 200 at bats. Especially the high school guys. To, to put it this way, we're going to go to. We're going to talk about the 2007 uh, top 100 at, in a little while. Not yet, but right. in a little while. But Evan Longoria back in the Old system. That's right, 2006. Evan Longoria in 2006 had already changed entirely his prospect status. He'd gone from very good to stupendous, and he hit 20 home runs in half a season, uh, 18 in the regular season and two in the postseason. Uh, another way to signing. put it is Tim Limscombe in yeah. 2006. That, another guy who Tim Limscombe basically rocketed, and, and that's that's what you're – you don't get to see that anymore. We had Lincecum 11. I think that was funny. I mean, it, we, it actually makes sense. I, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit looking at that. But we, we had Longoria at number three, I'm pretty sure, on our draft list in 2006. I'm pretty sure it was one. He may have been four. I know one was Andrew Miller, and I know that two was Tim Lincecum. Three and four were Brad Lincoln and Evan Longoria. But when that came out and that 2007 top 100 came out, Longoria was the top. Longoria ranked first among 2006 draftees followed by Miller and Lincecum. That also ties in, J.J., to this year's top 100 because it's hitter versus pitcher. And 
you know, that's one of the features that we'll have in the upcoming issue of the Top 100. Jim Callis will go, on, it'll go online on feature, yeah. with the Top 100 when we go out on Tuesday. And uh, so that'll be up Tuesday. You'll see the, the countdown is on at BaseballAmerica.com, the countdown clock. We like the, the countdown clock. We like using it for the draft. We like using it for the draft signing deadline. Now we're using it for the Top 100, which is cool. Uh, that clock is also counting down to Jim's feature where he basically talked to, and this is no secret, of the three top prospects, who do you have number one? Is it Bryce Harper? Is it uh, is it uh, my, Matt Moore? Is it Mike Trout? And what we did was instead of yeah. – We're not, we, we're we not giving away much our, here to let you know. One of yeah. those guys will be number one. We already put that question to ourselves. You'll find out what our answer is on uh, Tuesday. But you'll also find out what the industry's answer is because Jim polled like 20 front office executives uh, about that question. So – um, and, and has their reaction, their quotes, their comparisons of these players, uh, that kind of stuff. So pretty neat uh, pretty neat feature and something we've done in the past, J.J. Um, we did not do that, I don't believe, in 2007. Um, I don't even know that that list is, you know, it was not as clear-cut. But I would say if, in retrospect, Evan Longoria probably should have been our number one if oh, not yeah. Tim yeah, Lincecum. I, you, it's either, it would either be Longoria, Lincecum, or Tulo. It, if you're doing it now – Longoria was number seven, Linscombe was 11, Troy Tulowitzki was 15. I would say that those three are the guys that, you know, in, if you were re- doing the, the retroactively, one of those guys is number one. And that's tough. I don't know which one of those guys you'd say is number one. I would quite happy to build a team around any one of the three. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't. I, mean, I, I would, can't I would argue in some ways Lincecum from the standpoint of, had a little bit more success, probably. Multiple Cy Young win awards. Yeah, and a World and, Series. And it's just, and it's also as hard as it is to find a Tulo or a Longoria. That front, uh, a true number one. Yeah, true number one on a World Championship team is is hard to come by. Clayton Kershaw also down at twenty four, and that's I still think that's a pretty aggressive ranking for a high school pitcher uh, who had not pitched yet outside of like rookie ball. That Clayton Kershaw was number twenty four. We, that, that, you know, I, I credit to that. Uh, that was uh, uh, that was Alan Matthews uh, over, over that. He did Alan love Matthews Clayton loved Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. Now, now a scout, but that's right. And the and, and the past host of the podcast, as we were listening to past podcasts today, there's not a lot of uh, the, the the thing from the 2007 one. By the way, another guy you could throw in that would be in that top ten now. Ryan Braun, number 26. Yes, Ryan Braun, pretty good. But I mean, that's all that this. Again, I don't know what the, we don't know what to make of Ryan Braun with his offseason and the PED accusation. But that was the first year that we did our risk factors, which is fun to look back on. Power development, risk factor for Ryan Sweeney. Best case, Garrett Anderson. Worst case, Sean Burroughs. Back-to-back one home run years, you're Sean Burroughs. Right. The interesting thing is this case. So we did this. This was the first time we've done it. We've done it since. But we looked at risk factors, guys who were risky. Right. Now, I'll just run through these real quick, and then we'll go back and investigate more. But yeah. First guy we pulled out was Brandon Wood, who was ranked number eight. He was risky because of strikeouts. The answer is the high, you know with best case Troy Gloss, worst case Chad Hermanson. He became Chad Hermanson. And the thing is, JJ, in retrospect, Troy Gloss. I'll say it again. When I said it off off air. I'll say it on air. Troy Gloss was a tough comp to throw on him at that time because he's not Troy Gloss physically. He's just not as big and strong no. and. I remember thinking Troy Glass was this... a freak because Troy Glass could play shortstop as a monstrous human. Yeah, not well. Brandon Wood was certainly better at shortstop than him, but I mean, but, I remember thinking that was not a there wasn't a perfect comparison, a successful Brandon Wood comparison, and that troubled me at the time. 
Franklin Morales, number 30, we pulled out as a risk factor because of his control, his walks. Best case was CC Sabathia. Worst case was Matt Riley. A lot closer to Matt Riley than CC Sabathia. Had a nice peak. He was at a really big-time power arm for a pennant-winning team in 2007. Uh, but since then, below downhill. Uh, risk factor, James Loney, power. Best case, John Olerud. Worst case, Travis Lee. Much Hello, Travis Lee. Much closer to Travis Lee. <laughs> absolutely. And really, if you said, why is James Loney not better? It's his lack of power. Yeah, absolutely. We just, you just talked about Ryan Sweeney was number 55 on that list. The next one's a, a, the, my favorite one because Elvis Andrews at that time was in low class A, kept head above water in low class A at age 17, has offensive potential to go with his plus defense and speed. So our best case, Edgar Renteria, our worst case, Luis Rivas. He's a lot closer to Edgar Renteria. Absolutely. I mean, I know he has a hit for power as a professional. But you also have to remember the thing that, the thing that jumps out is this. he was – Six, 17. He was 17 when they were doing this ranking. He's still very young. Yeah, absolutely. His, his best baseball right. is still ahead of him. And just signed a big contract expen- extension. And no one no one says that Elvis Andrews is a superstar. Just like Edgar Aaron Renteria was never a superstar. But he's, he's going to be an above-average shortstop for a long time, and there's a lot of value to that. Uh, our next one was Drew Stubbs, number 88 on the list. Uh, hit tool. Wonder about the hit. You know, strikeout a lot. Best case was Mike Cameron. Worst case with Keith Reed. I'd say closer to Mike Cameron, oh, but yeah. not. But the thing about it is, is that that's been, that still is. He struck out <laughs> a record amount of times last yeah, year. Yeah, that's been the problem for him. But unlike Keith Reed, he still makes and he does enough when he makes contact. The thing that, that he's an effective the thing that big he leaguer, has, and it's the Mike Cameron. What he has is what Mike Cameron had: Gold Glove defense, right? Combined with power, right? So Good you point. put those two things together. Reed had power, but not the Gold Glove defense. Uh, and then the one that this that that made this made us realize, oh, this is uh, worth doing. Number ninety-one, Will Inman, uh, short right-hander. Best case was Joel Pinheiro. Worst case was Tim Redding. And actually, he's been worse than the worst case in that case. He has been. We we thought uh, basically when we did this, we've never had a six-foot-one, a six-foot right-hander without premium stuff has never made the top one hundred previously. The, the and when we got done doing this risk t- factor, we really wished we could have done it over at the time and say, you know what, maybe Will Inman shouldn't be on this list. I think what happened was that we did the top 100 before. We put it online before it went to press. So it was already out there. So we had to, that was a mistake we had to keep it yeah, in there. It was keep... a mistake. That's why the top 100 comes out a little bit later probably. But, I mean, the guys that we ranked <laughs> after him. By the way, thinking of speaking of. By the way, Dylan Batanzas was number 100 that year. That's hilarious. Still in the list. Still on the list, not making the list, but still eligible is number 94, Chris Parmalee. Uh, Colin Ballister still probably has the same mustache he had in, in 2006. Not quite. I know the Bally star but, changes it up uh, but facial that's where the But the thing that jumps out is, is when you talk about one of the things to remember with the top 100 in general, no matter our top 100, anyone's top 100, a lot of these guys are going to fail. And the thing that jumps out is, is that the riskier a guy is, now, you may get an Elvis Andrus, who are a guy who right. know, comes together, but there's also a lot of Will Inman's out there. There are, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing that jumps out is, is that when we're doing this with Will Inman was, oh, yeah, okay. And I don't think we have ranked anyone a Will Inman type has not made the top 100 since then. No, Will Inman essentially was an overreaction by us to, hey, stats really matter in the minor leagues. You know, we, we he had such big stats, we felt we could not ignore him and – Put him on the top 100, and he really didn't deserve to be there, and that's nothing personal. I, but the, I, good but, luck good luck to Will Inman. But, but that's, I mean, that's a good reminder, though, because we get good. this question all the time. Yeah. All the time, which is, 
player X has dominated this league, why don't you rank him higher right. or why don't you rank him? And the reality of it is, is I, especially when it comes to pitchers, if you want to throw out to me 50 guys who put up great numbers yep. in A ball without stuff, without plus stuff, with I'll let you have all 50 of them. You got it. And you, I'm not saying that you may not find one guy who it works out with, but I promise you this: for every one guy who makes it, you've got 99. Yeah, I'll take. You know, I've got. I can find you. I, I always, again, not trying to pick on him. I always think of like, especially the reliever. If you if you got us the old super register, look up Todd Pennington's numbers. That's the guy who always jumps out <laughs> nice. to me because Todd Pennington, you could not have. You can't have better numbers than Todd Pennington. You could not have a better numbers than what he had. I want to find Todd Pennington's numbers. Pull out an Indian's. Since our computer is so ancient that we don't have. Pull out an Indian's media guide from. uh, There's the Indian's media guide. I think he might still be in this one right here. But, but Todd Pennington was a uh, a a trick pitch guy. And the funny thing to me is that his name was Pennington because it always makes me think of uh, (laughs) who was a left Brad Pennington. Mm-hmm. There, there, there have been three Pennington's. You got Todd, you got Brad, and you have the the actual good one, Cliff, uh, the shortstop. Uh, but Pennington was he still in here? Nope, just Cliff Pennington. I have to find an just older just grab, just grab a median. Oh yeah, the media guy. guys are right here. But the thing with that is, is that you, yeah, you, numbers when you get to Double A when it comes to a pitcher matter a lot. Honestly, the guy that I actually think of for pitcher for for just for crazy minor league numbers is Jeremy Reed. Because that even in Double A, he was so good in the minor leagues, and he had college pedigree too. Um, but we we. But still, he was a, but he was a profile tweener. He was a tweener. That's it. The profile, the power was not there for center. And he couldn't field. really play center field for, for for corner right. And he couldn't really. And he wasn't a good enough center fielder. Because if he could have done either of the things, if he had more power, or if he'd have been a true center fielder, yeah. I think he could have really been something pretty interesting. But. Todd Pennington, yeah, the uh, his 2003 year in Lake County was the one. 37 innings, 14 hits allowed, uh, 17 walks, 65 strikeouts, and only three earned runs allowed. He threw a palm ball, and trick pitch joker. Cla- class A hitters could not hit it. But the problem is, is that you get up to higher levels, and it doesn't do the same thing. I believe, as they said in uh, uh, "Intolerable Cruelty," he's exposed. But what was the? Uh, the uh, and again, this is not railing because we're not saying stats aren't somewhat important. But they certainly. But are. you have to pair yeah. that. It's it's a blend. Right. The, who was the Mets guy? Yusmero uh, Petit. Right. Who put up <laughs> great strikeout numbers? He was but, a tough one. But he did it with again. And I, I'll admit, I'm somewhat of a velocity snob. I've become more and more of a velocity snob. I think that that is uh, very reasonable. Which is, if the words come to you that you are not, you know, 91, 92, sitting, if you're a pitcher, especially if you're a right-hander, and the words 88 to 91, touching 92 come out, I'm gonna I'm gonna start being I'm gonna start at a skeptical level. Yeah, you better. Uh, and, and we're looking at you, Corey Burns. We're, we're, I guess what we're saying is we're saying Boo Burns. I mean, Corey Burns is the ultimate example of what you're talking about. He's a modern day Todd Pennington, minor league pitcher, puts up sick numbers, reliever who's 87, 88, always kind of has been, and has crazy and, arm slots and all this stuff. And and the thing that uh, that jumps out to me about that is is that you'll. Yes, you can think of examples of big leaguers Chad who succeed Bradford. with that. But <laughs> Those are trick pitch guys, basically. A submarine guy is essentially and, a trick pitch guy. And the thing about it is, is what, you, what you need to find with that is, is, okay, did they manage to do it at AA, AAA? That's one step. 
And the other thing is, is that, okay, there's the difference between starters and relievers. To me, the starters who succeed at the big league level with without plus stuff are the guys who do it, who they had at least average stuff when they hit the big leagues, right. and then they lose some of it. Right, you're Jamie Moyers, those kind of guys. Like, and, and obviously a left-hander, too. It's funny because Todd Pennington, apparently, a little minor league history here for you, J.J., Todd Pennington, they had this great year. Uh, I don't know if he got hurt, but he was still quite good in uh, 2004 at Kinston. 2005, Kinston and Akron, ERAs kept on climbing up there, and then he's just gone. He's he was not an indie in baller. the 2000. He, was an indie baller. Uh, he must have been released in spring training of 07, or mm-hmm. of 06, I should say, because he's not in the 07 Super Register. And he was an indie baller. So Todd Pennington, uh, a lesson a lesson learned for J.J. Cooper. Not that you were ever really on. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I did write, I remember writing about him, though, and the, and the Indians, I'll say this, they were very much like, hey, we'll just have to see. We'll have to prove it at every level. And he didn't. But he did not prove it. Uh, he, he did prove it. He proved that he wasn't as good as his numbers. But so going back to the top 100, just looking at it, let's go back to the top 20 again for a minute. So Make we'll, it so. So number one was Daisuke Matsuzaka. Lesson learned. You Darvish, not number one this year. Still pretty high. I know they're not directly analogous. Number two is, to me, a guy who still ranks as one of the more puzzling guys in recent history, which is Alex Gordon. Numbers, two, numbers two, really numbers two through six are all puzzlers because they've flashed it. But Alex hasn't Gordon, been consistency. Delman Young, yeah. Philip Hughes, Homer Bailey, Cameron Maven, Evan Longoria is number seven. But Longoria is the Yeah, Longoria is the one where you go, okay, no, that worked out very well. But, uh, you know, so... Let's just, like, Gordon, in Gordon's case, I don't know what, because... He figured it out last year. And he, he figured it out. He was very good as a rookie. It's There was this intervening period of time where he backtracked. But with Gordon, I would still say right now, it's like, okay, he maybe not be, you wouldn't be number two if you did this again. He'd still be in your top 20, probably. I mean, he's... Or, or top, you know, if you did this right now, he probably wouldn't be, but I could still see him when it's all said and done. Being a top twenty guy, I don't think I don't think 2011 was a peak for him. I, I expect him to be at that level for a few years. I, I think Alex Gordon finally figured it out. At the same time, he's not a third baseman anymore; he's a left fielder, and it's a shame that that's what it took basically to to unlock his bat. Mm-hmm. But I like Alex Gordon. He's I, I'm not I'm not saying he's as good as Roy Halladay. I like that he went back to the minor leagues, was humble, didn't complain. Learned the new position, came back, and, and became a better player. And became their best player. Right. And uh, and, and then Delman Young at three. Well, that, I mean, we know what the issue has been there. He just has never controlled the strike zone. That said, his 2010 season was a really good year. I think he had a 120 ops plus, which is basically what Alex Gordon did last year that we're kind of praising Alex Gordon for. The difference Delman also, Young's done it just as many times. The difference, Delman Young was, was league average before that. So he's actually, I think, been a better the big leader the difference than being Alex though, The difference being, though, is that one thing that always hurts Delmon is, is that he's never been as good defensively as really he should be. He, he's terrible on defense, and he should. One. And the thing about it is, is he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be terrible. He was an asset defensively in, in, as a minor leaguer. I don't know why he's been so bad defensively in, in pro ball in the big league because he was not – uh, he wasn't it, he wasn't Lonnie Smith in the minor leagues. And now we would have written about it, and now he is, and he's like a f- slow Lonnie Smith defensively. Right. Well, that's the thing. If and, you want to say with Delmon Young, beyond everything else, one of the things is he's not the athlete that he was. 
He, some of that athleticism is not there like it was when it's he was strange. coming up. It's strange that he seems to have lost some athleticism. I know, and, and the thing is, his body changes, it seems like, every year. One year he's fat Delman, one year he's thin Delman. And um, his better year was 2010 when he was more thin Delman. So uh, I still think that Delman Young can be – he's a productive big leaguer, but I don't think he's ever going to be a star. I think it's more likely that Alex Gordon will be a star than Delman Young going forward. I think it's more likely that Phil Hughes can still be a star going forward. His peak is probably higher than these other two guys. He had an 18-win year in the big leagues where he was pretty good, like a number two-slash-three starter on a Yankee team. I do wonder with Phil Hughes if he wasn't a Yankee. If he was, If he was an Astro or, 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 or a Dodger or take your pick, if he was with a team where basically they said, here's the ball, we need 34. Give yeah. us 34 starts, come back again, do it next year. Well, that is the that is the big question. Could he ever give you 34 and starts? I don't know if he could. That's, I mean, maybe, that's, that's the big and question. That's, and that's and the what, same thing with Homer Bailey right behind him at five. And and it is, it's a reminder again, you know, it's not that there's not pitching prospects because we got, you know, Tim Lins coming on here today. <laughs> right. They are riskier. No doubt. We're going to keep ranking, though, for one main, one of the, one of the main reasons is, is that our top 100 is not just, it's part of it is, is looking, okay, Ideally, we want our top 100, if you look back at it 20 years later, that the best player of the prospect class is number one, the second best is number two, the third best is number three, all that. And again, if we didn't but, rank high school pitchers, J.J., we wouldn't have had Clayton Kershaw at 24 the first but, year he was drafted. But at the same time, it also incorporates, it's a snapshot of right. here is what we believe the industry, which, let's make it clear, there is no unanimity of opinion when it comes right. to the industry. But here is, after talking to a lot of people, here's what we feel like the industry, how they value it. Which, what we're trying to say is, is yes, in hindsight, would you rather have Tim Linscum than Homer Bailey or Philip Hughes? Absolutely. At that moment in time, if you if the Giants had offered the Yankees, we'll give you Linscum for Phil Hughes, the Yankees answer would have been no. no. Absolutely. Yep. I think you're now, right. a year later, they would have been yes, but... And, 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 and Giovanni Gallardo was another good example. He was at 16 that year, and that's one where we had pedigree. We also had performance. He led the minor leagues in strikeouts the year before, was third in ERA, and jumped up to number 16. So, uh, and the the track record of the pitchers in the top 10 isn't as good as it is in the 11 to, in the 10 in the second 10. Um, but and Cameron Mabin at six, we finally saw the flashes last year, JJ. But you know that that Midwest League season by Justin Upton had been so. Uh, he, he left us wanting in 2006 in his pro seat debut, so we actually had flipped him and Mabin, who've always been linked in my and head. Then, and that and that was a, maybe an example of a little bit too much right. on a limited. We always had believed yeah. before that Justin Upton was the better prospect. Right, absolutely. When they were amateurs, it was plain to us. We like Cameron Mabin. We like Justin Upton that much more. And uh, we should, probably should not have let. You know, uh, similar performances in the Midwest League, although Mabin was better. Mabin was better. And the Actually, thing I guess Mabin was, was in, uh, I forget where Mabin Upton, was. The, the knocks on Upton were that Upton did not seem like he was that engaged, engaged on a nightly basis. Didn't run everything out, That's all those it. kind of things. That's it. It's like we, we decided to take but, out on Justin Upton. <laughs> which the funny thing is, is that we didn't take it out on Delmon Young, who was, when it came to makeup questions, was much worse that year. Yeah, took the Albert Bell comparisons too far when he tossed the bat at an umpire, but he could rake. <laughs> well, uh, not really. That's the problem. He just hits fine. It's the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and J.J. Cooper. J.J., we actually have a couple of Twitter questions for this year's Top 100. I thought we'd get to to bring them back to this okay. year's Top 100. 
Uh, Tawan Walker, we're talking about high school pitchers and kind of some of these guys that could make the leap or made the leap in the past. Um, Tawan Walker, top five prospect next year. And what kind of season, what kind of, what do you, what do you see him being at his peak? I think he's a top five caliber prospect right, in terms of talent. He could. I mean, that's, he's a high risk, high reward. And I don't mean like, he, he's not a, he's not high risk to the level. There's some other guys that we could, I can think of. Like a Luis Heredia is a right. high risk, high reward. He's high risk. He's a high school, he's a young pitcher and he's a, that hasn't been on the A ball. That automatically makes you high risk. That being said, the athleticism, the pitches, the stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, there was a reason that Connor was getting Dwight Gooden comps. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that was that was something along those lines. Along those lines, sorry, I don't have it with me, but I, I got we got a tweet, a Twitter question asking, "Hey, with the Blue Jays, could you see them really moving up next year in the org rankings?" Absolutely, because they've got something. And that was the thing that jumped out to me is, is yeah, I, I think this Blue Jays team is Blue Jays organization right now in many ways is where the Royals were farm system wise. Yeah. About about you know, we go back now three seasons ago. Like oh nine. Right. Yeah. The year before, you know, two thousand ten they had the year that, you know, okay, well they're the, easily All the their number. prospects had really good years. Right. We don't know that the Blue Jays prospects are gonna do that, but they have the building blocks there where if, if all the Blue Jays prospects or most of them have big years this year they're going to be number one next year because I don't think I, I think they would be number one because they have so many guys in a ball right or who, short season or short season who this year you could turn around and go wow that guy had a monster season and made it to double A that you, guy just look at that guy rocketed to high A that yeah, guy and that's you it. you could really see them having if all those pitchers who probably are going to go to Lansing like Justin Nicolino Daniel Aaron Lewis. Sanchez Noah Syndergaard. If all those guys, yeah, Daniel Norris, if all these guys go to Lansing and light up the Midwest League, and if some of them go go advance or then, promoted to Dunedin and light it up there, and you throw in that if a couple of the guys at the higher Drew level, Hutchinson, Drew Hutchinson, Jack McGuire, if Asher, if Asher Woj's stuff comes back, Asher Wojciechowski, and, and then you, you throw in you got you got you've got okay, Ghost Mariznick and Darno at the top, right? You 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 have all that if it all comes together. It's a heck of a soup. It, I was about to say, so it's, it's, it's very conceivable, and it's a very fair point. That, uh, the, now, the, they could also, you could see the other side, which is they take a step back. Well, no, they're, they're not going to, they actually could, they could be further back next year than they are this year. But the, they also have the safety of numbers. They do have a lot of, they have a lot of strength in numbers. That's the, they're, they're more of a depth, and again, it goes back to the depth versus star power. I do think, they have, I do think they, there are potential future stars in there. But like a guy like a Ghost or a Marisnik, you're talking about a Ghost who still has contact issues. You're talking about Marisnik who is still an A ball, and you know low A, and so he's well, going to see yeah. uh, he's going to see higher level pitching. And you have so many of these pitchers we talked about who have not seen full season ball. So there's still a lot of risk in, in that. That's uh, why they're, Jays all, they're not ranked higher right now. Right, but I still I love the depth. If you were ranking depth, prospect depth of the minor leagues, I think really the only organization that compares with them would be the Rangers. I'll throw one other in there. Okay. Yeah, Padres. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I agree. The Padres would be in that mix. Good the pa- point. To me, because the Padres, I think the Padres are truly the epitome of depth, not star power. There's, yeah, that's It's right. hard to point to a whole lot of guys in the Padres. They have, they, you're going to say that guy will be a Hall of Fame potential, right. have Hall of Fame potential. Right. There are a whole lot of guys that you say that guy could be a productive big leader. I was saying they have guys who are like in their 11 to 20 range, like Jeff Decker, and uh, James Darnell, who point out and say, yeah, I can see those guys being productive everyday players. They're cornerbacks. 
They're probably going to be average cornerbacks, not exceptionally, could be slightly above average. Like, uh, you well, know, when you think about like, left fielders are basically 18 home runs average last year. I can see both those guys well, hitting that or being a little bit better. I'm a big Robbie Erlin, Joe Whelan fan. Yeah, yep. Neither of those guys, it's hard to project either of them winning a Cy Young down the road. Right, but it's but also put them hard in that to project. Yeah. It's hard to project them not being useful pitchers. That's right. That's a good, uh, and they have a lot of guys like that. And then the other thing that you like about their organization is they were aggressive in last year's drafts. So they have guys like Austin Hedges. They have guys like uh, who's the, uh, Joe Ross. They do have upside guys. They're a little bit further away. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the real X factor for me with their organization is Reimer Liriano. He's the guy who has that uh, – who could really jump up next year and be – and go from a really good prospect to one of the elite prospects. JJ, what else about the, this year's top 100 deliberations that we want to touch on? I, do, I will say we had a a late entry we should talk about on the podcast yeah, with the ONS Cespedes yeah, signing so with the now, Oakland Athletics. Let's make it clear, okay? Cespedes, Cespedes. Everyone knows who we're talking about. But he makes it in. He was yes. signed in time for the top 100. Jorge Soler Hadn't not going to be on it because. But Suspedes, the, the thing that's tough about that is, is that we run the, we talked about Daisuke Matsuzaka with the 2007 list. Right. Japan, Japanese players and Cuban players are in many ways the toughest to figure out because that's a good point. You're <laughs> talking about more than really. You're talking about much more than just how are they going to handle the the contest, the competition that right. they're facing. Well, you don't know how they're going to handle the comp- the increased competition level, first of all, and second of all, you don't know how they're going to handle the Transition to the United States culturally um, for the for Cuban players. You don't know how they're going to – I mean, you Darvish had money in Japan. He'll have money here. He might have more money, but he had money in Japan. He was, And he so already but, was – he was – He already had scrutiny, rich, too. scrutinized star. And that was not the case necessarily for Suspedes. I mean, he was, certainly you're scrutinized if you're a baseball star in Cuba – but it's just not. It's just. It's going to be taken up a notch. But, Although he'll be in Oakland, so it really won't be that many people noticing. But the thing that'll be interesting to see with him is, is that one of the things that we've seen with several Cuban uh, players coming over is they they get bigger, <laughs> right? And not necessarily in good ways. Absolutely. And with him, the key with him is, is that if he's a center fielder, he's more valuable than if he's a corner. So yeah. he needs to – the key is – is now it's not every Cuban defector that that's been the case, but there have been a number of them that's been the case. So we need to see, okay, is he going to be able to stay at the same size that he is now? It's a legitimate concern just going to the track record of other Cuban players. Uh, another one that's interesting to me, J.J., is – maybe this is a little bit of a sidebar, but let's talk about this A signing. What did you make of Oakland being the team that signed Ioannis Espedes? That's That really shocked me. But I guess at the same time, it's actually it makes some sense in that Oakland saying their windows in a couple of years. This actually gives Suspedes time to acclimate to Major League Baseball without immediate pressure of a pennant race, and say the scrutiny that may have come if he had signed with, oh, I don't know, the Nationals or the Marlins, right? You know where you. I think if you're, and the other thing, key thing with this is that I think could end up playing a part down the road, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. Right. So Good point. If the A's are in a situation where, okay, the window gets pushed back, because he's a, he's a free agent after four years. Right. If they hit the point in year three, year four, and it's like, oh, we're not there yet. We don't have the stadium yet. Well, then they also could turn around and trade him. And his if, if he turns out to be the player that a lot of people think he'll be, $9 million a year 
Not that really below market value if he turns. I, I, I think it is a little bit. I, and I'll say this: I think it actually is a little bit backloaded. So it actually may be more like ten or eleven. I, I don't have the contract in front of me, but but that wouldn't be irrational to give. You know, that would be a, a decent rate to where you could trade him, and the contract's not going to be uh, a hindrance to trading him. I agree. Uh, I like I like the signing for him because because of the contract flexibility, the four I, years. I like it for the A's because he's an impact potential impact player. The A's have not gotten their hands on potential right. impact p- offensive players. That's why I like it for them. I I, th- I like it for him from that standpoint. I understand that maybe there's a chance he could have gotten more elsewhere. I'm not necessarily buying, but I like it for Oakland. It's a uh, you you also are giving you're kind of giving your fans a little bit more reason to. But, Tune into your team, which all the trades they made in December, JJ, had really soured but, what fans were left on them. But the other thing with that is, is that who, offensively, I'm not talking about pitchers because they've got some interesting pitchers. You but don't have to tell me on this one. Offensively, who were they building around before that? I don't know. Now we know. Nobody. Now we know. My, Michael Choice a couple but years now, from now. Now, now we know. I mean, he's the guy who you're building around because the reality of this is that he is he has more offensive upside. Anyone on their team. Than anyone on their team. And not only that, but he plays a premium position while doing it. Yeah, so I, I like the move for Oakland. I, I think it's uh, – I, I never understood why people thought he would get $50 million. And I guess in a way he got more money than uh, Chapman. I, I understand I say, that. But, but I, I understand what he did, though. $36 million and free agency after four years. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think That's what I'm saying. I think that initially people thought, oh, well, we thought he was, you know, there were all these rumors of winter meetings, he was going to get $50 million, blah, but blah, blah. But if you blah. got $50 million over six compared to 36 over four, I may w- rather have the 36 over four if you believe in yourself because the reality is, is that that's he I'm will still with. be in his prime or right, right at it. Not, not far off of it. He'll be, yeah. and, and he'll have four years of big league experience. And If he's a star, he'll have at that point proven it right. to where – He'll be a marquee free agent. He'll be a known commodity, and he'll be thir- young enough at age 30 to take advantage of it, where he gets a five- or six-year deal after that, and you can expect him to perform for most of that deal. So. Right. And, and then, instead, he'll get 10 years. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and then the reality is, is he'll be he'll be an albatross around the neck of the team that uh, <laughs> signs him, and, and the Angels will be trying to, you know, he'll be one of their 72 outfielders in 2020. And, <laughs> They'll still be we'll, paying we'll Gary Matthews still, Jr. And, and Vernon Wells. And Albert Pujols will, you know, the 40-year-old Albert Pujols will be playing, and, you know, that, and it'll, be just, it'll be great. That's not, a, that's not a fun scenario. That said, I still I do kind of like uh, the Angels' chances this year. But, yeah, four or five years from now. Think about it. It's it crazy to think, like, so when is that Albert Pujols contract in? Like, when we're doing in this. In 10 if, years. If we're doing this conversation in 2020. Someone that we've never heard of will be president in 2022. And Albert Pujols will still be playing for the Los Angeles. I hope Angel we're still doing these podcasts. You know, you know. I think at that time it'll just be a hologram that'll just appear in front of you at home. So, uh, and that'll be scary. John <laughs> at fifty, that could be scary. So, uh, good stuff on the podcast today. Thank people for the uh, for the questions. Of course, you can always send those in. Uh, we're going to get the fifty thousand Twitter followers, JJ. That's our goal. I was going to say Tuesday. Are, I was going to say if you are listening to this podcast and you don't follow us on Twitter, what are you please do. For? You know, baseball at Baseball America. You can also follow all of our individual ones, but but the the actual main Baseball America feed is not just for a while there. It was just a uh, an automated feed of uh, of our links. It's not that anymore. You get links. We also will answer questions. We we interact with you on that feed as well. So check that out. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, 
please you know, do. Please do. Uh, this, again, post it every weekday. We post stuff on Facebook. We do. We'll send links to stories as we been have them. There's been a poll there. We'll send polls. We'll you know have conversations there. If you want to discuss things with us, right now I think we actually have a question. It's a couple of days old now, but of which team do you think is going to have the most top hundred prospects? We got some Padres, got some Rangers guesses, got some Blue Jays guesses, you know A's guesses. So kind of you can join in, interact. Well, I never with would us have there. had A's guesses before December. No, that's that's definitely true. But suspend A's and those trades with the Nationals uh, definitely changed things. Um, but and, so, and then we'll, of course, and have the Diamondbacks. Our, I mean, they, the Diamondbacks, that's the one I forgot. Of course, we will have our first college podcast in season of the year. We didn't, didn't get around to scheduling one this week. We will have one on Monday. Uh, I'll be uh, not in Durham. Aaron will be not in LA, not in oh, this uh, is good. SoCal. I, I'm already having chills. And it's it will happen. The, uh, it will get up on the, Dropbox uh, and it'll the happen. That's podcast engineer. No, it's going to happen. Don't worry. It'll, it'll happen and uh, it'll be good. It'll sound good. I'm taking my headset with me going on the road. So uh, we'll have the first college podcast of the year on Monday. But if you don't have it on Monday, you, now you know why. It'll at the very latest happen on Tuesday. But we'll have the first of our weekly college podcasts coming next week. And uh, we'll just keep it up. We're very excited to see when we check on iTunes. I think we're the number three baseball podcast out there. And we're the only Thank one that's you. not associated with a, uh, a large corporation. Uh, although I guess we sort of yeah, are now. But no one, if you could tell us what Source Interlink is, let me know because I never heard of it before December. Um, but we're proud to be part of the Source Interlink family, and we're very proud uh, of the fact that so many people listen to the podcast. We get a lot of positive feedback on it. Feel free to review it on on on, uh, on iTunes and uh, and thanks for listening because uh, I feel like there's a lot of uh, on the new media front, JJ. I feel like we've done a it's lot been, of a lot fun. of good things for Baseball America, and it feels good to interact with people who like what we do and care about it uh, the way that we do. And hey, it's this fun. is and let's be honest, it's the best part of the year. We we it's enjoy awesome we enjoy book season, but college baseball games college tomorrow. baseball games Cannot tomorrow wait. and spring training is getting going. So hey, <laughs> I can't you know I can't wait to be the fact that I'll be listening to spring training games uh, before long. I believe the word for that is phenomenal. All right, thanks guys for listening. Thanks JJ for uh, co-hosting the podcast and for engineering it, and thanks to you for the download. Until next week, so long everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.